You are listening to the teaching ministry of the Commons Evangelical Covenant Church, located in Rochester, New Hampshire. Find out more about us at www.churchofthecommons.org. May God bless you, and this teaching serve you well. Good morning. Pretty honored to be preaching to both congregations. Um, and I don't take that lightly. I'm grateful for that. I don't ever want it to become routine to be proclaiming God's word. Uh, and it's very nice to have this opportunity to preach to both congregations. Um, so thank you for having me and listening to me. And I can promise, uh, if nothing else, I am passionate. And what I lack in focus, I gain in really meaning what I am saying. Uh, but today we'll have two sections of scriptures we're going to read from. Uh, the first will start in Romans chapter 8, and then after that we'll move to Galatians chapter 5. So we're going to start in Romans chapter 8, and then Galatians chapter 5. Uh, I like to read scripture at length for multiple reasons, the least of which not being for context. Um, and today we're going to be talking about Walking in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit. And I'm reminded of the Evangelical Covenant denomination that the Commons is affiliated with. And Pastor Chris, in somewhat recent times, has mentioned their two questions, I believe, that they ask people on a regular basis. One, where is it written? And two, how's your walk? And so I think it's interesting because uh, when you shared that, it really convicted my heart. Because I interpret that as, show me in the Bible, and are you living it? I often, including my own opinion, don't care what someone or myself thinks. I want to see it in the Word. Amen? And I want to see how can we live this out. Not up here, but in our legs and in our feet. So, starting in Romans chapter 8. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh, so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the Spirit is life and peace. Because the mindset on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, Though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. 
But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brethren, we are under obligation, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. And now from Galatians chapter 5. For some context here, we're going to see this message again about walking in the Spirit, but in a slightly different context. In the book of Romans, in the larger scope, what's happening in the book of Romans is you have the Jews returning to Israel and the Christian church rejecting them. And you have Apostle Paul, essentially the climax of that epistle to the Romans, right, is saying like, well, what advantage is it being a Jew then? He's showing how Gentiles and Jews are in need of grace and where they each falter and how they both need Jesus. And the climax of the letter, right, is the benefit of being Jewish and what Israel means to the church and it ends with let them back in greet them with a holy kiss like you should be one it's potentially the first ever church split and Apostle Paul putting an end to it and in this epistle what I just read um, what we're extracting from it is this part where he's teaching us about walking in the spirit and what it means now we're moving to Galatians and for some context here uh, not a great letter in the sense of like uh, I guess every other letter Apostle Paul wrote, um, it's not a friendly letter, it's pretty harsh. And it's harsh because he's really putting the Galatian church on blast. And the reason being that this church was allowing Judaizers into the congregation to teach the people. And what it means to be a Judaizer, right, is to convince people to be back under the law of Moses, telling people that to be right with God, you must perform these external laws. And Paul is not happy about this, and he says some very unkind things, the least of which not being, um, I'm going to be mentioning this in the reading this morning, he he goes as far as to say, if you're going to circumcise yourself, you might as well cut the whole thing off. Like, he's being very harsh, but why? For context? Because if they are performing works of the law to be right with God, they will never be right with God. People's salvation is at stake. And in this epistle, we're going to extract from chapter 5 here, where he mentions again, walking in the Spirit. It's the same subject, different context and different reasons. Uh, just so you know, when we're reading here in this text, that's what's going on. So it makes more sense to how it's relating to what we're looking at. So in Galatians chapter 5, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. And I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. You have been severed from Christ. You who are seeking to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, 
by faith, are waiting for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything, but faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion did not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. I have confidence in you that the Lord, in the Lord, that you will adopt no other view, but the one who is disturbing you will bear his judgment, whoever he is. But I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why am I still persecuted? Then the stumbling block of the cross has been abolished. I wish that those who are troubling you would even mutilate themselves. For you are called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. For I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these of which I forewarn you just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. Amen. So, how's your walk? Hmm? How many of those things in the list of the fruit of the flesh, well, it's not even mentioned as fruit, really, but those things that are evident from the flesh, how many things in those lists crop up in your life? How's your walk? How's your walk? And how many of the fruits of the Holy Spirit are produced in your life? How is your walk? So that's the question today is how your, how's your walk and what does it mean to walk in the Spirit? Well, first we've got to like know the meaning of two words, one, Spirit, and one, what it means to walk, right? And they kind of fold into each other. I'll tell you, I'll show you what I mean by that. The word spirit, ironically enough, is a very mysterious word. And it's almost interchangeable with the word wind in the Bible, right? And what do wind and spirit and breath, what do these things all have in common? They can't be seen, 
We can only see the effects of them. So spirit in the Bible refers to those things that are not seen. There is a world that exists that cannot be discerned by the natural man. And I spent a whole deal of my life believing that this world did not exist. It would be like denying that wind exists or electricity exists because we don't see it. We just see the effects of it. And so there is a spiritual world, and the Bible is the only book that will tell you what that world looks like. And it's almost hidden in plain sight, right, spiritual things? The Bible is teaching us not only about sp the spiritual world, but who we are in Christ. So you may not feel like the power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, but that's on you. I don't care how you feel. The Bible says it's true. Yeah, but I don't see it. You don't see spiritual things. If you want to know what's happening in the spiritual world, you need to read the Bible to understand. If you want to know who you are in Jesus, you need to get in the Word and see what it says about you. And when we start believing that, this is like the foundation of what it means to walk in the Spirit. When we start believing those things which can't be seen, they can't be heard by the natural man, but they can only be discerned by those who have the Spirit of Christ in them, this is walking in Spirit, right? And so, we have in large, most of the world denies that the spiritual world even exists. Some might believe it exists, but dabble in sorcery and witchcraft and, and dark magic. A lot of Christians may even live their lives as though this world doesn't exist. And they might be living out their walk, not knowing who they are in Jesus Christ. And I relate it to this. I went on a cruise recently with my wife. Oh, man, was, it was awesome. It was awesome. I've never been so rested. It was just wonderful. And the thing about cruise, typically, like some resorts, it's all-inclusive. I mean, the food's all-included, right? And, and, like, tipping people, like, everything's just, like, all lumped up into one very lengthy payment, Right? But it's all inclusive. You don't have to like pull out your wallet to eat. You know, you don't have to pull out your wallet to engage in some activity. Like everything is already included. But I liken the Christian life to a cruise in this way. How many of us are walking in defeated lives, wondering why we can't stop doing the things we don't want to do, why we're not able to do the things that we wish we could? and waiting until we get to heaven to be fully restored to find out what great a treasure we neglected while we were here. Because in our text, in both examples, we see two things. One, you're made alive when you're born again, and you receive the Spirit of Christ, and yours become one. You are alive in Him, and the power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. But two, that doesn't mean you automatically walk according to it. It's saying, like, if you have the Spirit of Christ then walk it out. He's saying, if you are alive by the Spirit, then walk by the Spirit. And I wonder if we are like the Israelites who wandered for 40 years, not realizing the promise that was there right before them. And I don't want to get to heaven and say, finally, I can receive all these things that God in turn can say, you could have had them there, son, but you neglected to walk in Spirit because I'm so focused on the natural world. And you know it's dangerous, even with a natural mind, to read the Bible, because you'll get some good surface morality, but you will not hear the truth that's hidden from the rest of the world. So to be spiritual, to be spiritually minded, spiritual things, it's that part of life which is not seen. 
It's that world. Now, what does it mean to walk? It flows into walk. Well, what do we know about walking? It's one way to get from one place to another, right? How are you getting from one place to another in your faith in Jesus Christ? And also, how about this? How many of you have ever experienced this phenomenon where you see somebody walking on the street and, and maybe they're bundled up, maybe they have a, a, a hoodie on, maybe you can't see their face, but you know by the way they're walking exactly who it is. You recognize them by their walk. Have you ever had this? Like you see someone, you go, I know who that is. You, before you even see them, like their posture, the way they walk, you know, they have a certain stride. It's the way you're carrying yourself is your walk. And so how do we walk in spirit? And like, why is this important? Thanks for asking. So walking in spirit, right? How do we walk in spirit? Well, because the Bible is speaking of spiritual things. You might read walking in the spirit and think it's relating to your natural state, but it's talking about a world that can't be seen. The Bible speaks of words as arrows. I love this example because I've experienced this often. I can have a tendency to be impulsive in speech. And like an arrow, once you shoot it, you're not getting it back. The Bible speaks of great groups of people or witnesses as clouds. The Bible speaks of the Holy Spirit as oil, as a dove, as fire. And, and is the Holy Spirit literal fire? No, no, no. We're missing the point. The spiritual indication is what do those things teach us in the natural world of the world we don't see? And how blessed are we if we indeed are children of Jesus Christ? He says, when asked, the great master, when asked, why do you speak in parables? He spoke in mysteries. He spoke in symbolism. The Bible's full of types and shadows. And the great master replied, because to you it's been given to understand the kingdom of God. Because them, having ears they don't hear, and having eyes they don't see. So when it comes to spiritual things, just because you have eyes doesn't mean you see the kingdom of God. And just because you have ears doesn't mean you hear. So you might read the Bible, and you might, as I did before I was born again, get the gist of it and have missed the whole point. Here's a great example. You can be preaching the same spiritual truth to two people, and one person, it goes right over their head. And the other person, it can convict their heart and change their life forever in the same moment. You can have two people side by side, both with physical eyes and physical ears, hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And one will never be the same. They'll be made right with God. They'll be forgiven for their sins. And the other will understand the gist of it, but only in their natural mind. And this is spirit. This is spiritual. So like, why is walking in the spirit important? And how do we do it? Like, don't we want that promise? Who hearing, if you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the deeds of the flesh, wants to immediately, I want that. I want that kind of walk. And how do we do this? And what does it look like? We know Apostle Paul taught and spoke of great mysteries. And everything he taught was spiritual in nature. And he's on record saying things like, although I'm full of sorrow, nevertheless, I rejoice. He's on record talking about all the persecution, trials, and tribulations he went through, but nevertheless, I count it a light affliction. 
right? This is walking in the Spirit where we're looking at the truth that the Word of God proclaims, not what we see and not what we hear. Do we not live by faith and not by sight? And if we come so accustomed to our natural body and to the natural world that we've put limitations on the Word of God? And so here the Apostle Paul, like when he talks about his great affliction, he says it's, it's nothing compared to the glory of God because he's looking at the truth of the spiritual realm. I'm going to live forever in glory. This is nothing. He doesn't see that kingdom of glory. He knows it's true because it's proclaimed in the word of God. He's walking in the spirit. And in the same way, when it comes to our identity, when we walk in the spirit, it's understanding who we are in Jesus Christ, not who we're defined by the words of other people or by our prestige or the money we make. How many of us how about this, have made an idol out of our own biblical knowledge. That's big for me because as a pastor, I'm constantly studying the Word and wanting to. But you know, i got to check my heart from time to time that I'm not replacing knowledge of Him with Him. And how many decisions do we make on a daily basis we have not even consulted the Master? And how many decisions do we make and things, we, oh, I've heard that a million times. Well, spirit is not exhaustible. Your natural mind is. And how many times do we make decisions based on what we already know from the Word? Well, we haven't stopped to consider that sweet, still, small voice inside of us that beckons us to walk in His footsteps. How many of us have replaced what we know up here with what we should be feeling in here and doing in our legs and our feet, carrying the message to others. Man, you got to know who you are in Jesus, if you indeed have Him. Because without Him, you will not understand anything spiritual, although you might deceive yourself into thinking you can. I was that person. In the depth of my alcoholism years ago, I was living in a tent in the woods off of Willem Pond where we've since baptized many people. Praise God. And I remember living in the tent and I had two jobs and no money because I was an alcoholic. And I had no phone. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, I'm a pretty spiritual being. And you know how I justified that? I have no attachment to material possessions. Like, I have nothing. Like, I'm so spiritual. I'm like a monk, exiled in a monastery. Was I spiritual? Well, no. Because I was not born again. I had no illumination, so I couldn't see in the dark. More spiritual talk. What I was was a drunk who didn't like responsibility, and my life had become out of control. At least monks, when they isolate themselves from society and are no longer a benefit to society, at least they're engaging in holy activity, amen? You're not spiritual because you say you are. You're not spiritual because of what you understand in knowledge. You're spiritual when you listen to him, and I quote the master again, the words I speak to you are life and they are spirit. Whoa. 
And you have to have the Spirit of Jesus Christ, one with yours, to understand, to hear, and to see. Because the natural mind can't understand it. So you've got to know who you are in Jesus. Look, I am not one of these preachers that... You maybe never heard of hypergrace. I'm not that guy. I will not proclaim like blasphemies from the pit of hell like that. I'm not here to tell you like that you are Jesus. I'm not here to tell you that you're incapable of sin. But I'm not going to be afraid of going so far in that direction to remind you, brethren, like if you have the Spirit of Christ, you are the righteousness of God. You're right with God. I don't feel right. Your feelings don't dictate spirit. In fact, did you know, fun fact, and look, we can, I can disciple you on this on the side and reason from Scripture, make my point here, but you know nobody feels anything from the Spirit? You say, whoa, what about those goosebumps? Huh? Did I just feel the Spirit? Mm, no, your body's reacting to something you believe by faith. And you know what else reacts to what you believe by faith? How you walk. So how's your walk? Do you believe that you've been made right with God? Or do you breeze over that? Because I've heard it so many times. Yeah, I'm right with God. Great. Now what? No, no, no. You've been made right with God. You have been made right with God because he was crushed for your iniquity. And see, how many of you right now, just stopping to ponder that and hearing me say that, are just feeling a little quickened inside, a little more grateful for what you have, and a little more motivated to do that which is good and to love your neighbor. Because this is walking in spirit and not fulfilling the deeds of the flesh, which are evident. Who are you in Jesus Christ? And again, you might feel like you're not victorious. I don't feel victorious. What does the word say about your spirit man? I'm not too concerned about your natural man. You know why? Because it's going to be put to death. The Bible teaches that we'll receive new bodies, and that because your body is dead from sin, though your spirit is alive through Christ. I'm not concerned about your natural state, but so many of us are so accustomed to what we see, experience with our senses, our natural body, people, places, and things, that we neglect that that is not really who we are. And if you study scripture, you might be amazed to see that God looks at people according to their spirit not their physical state. Crazy. You might hear people described physically in the Bible for reasons, but that is not who God is looking at. How could he look at the flesh which will be put to death? He's looking at the spirit inside of you that was made right through Jesus Christ. So again, like walking in the spirit is renewing the mind by looking at scripture and seeing what the Bible says about you. Well, people have said this about me. Yeah, but they aren't Jesus. This is my status in life. It doesn't matter. What does the word of God say about me? I feel like I'll never overcome this sin. Well, the word of God says Jesus Christ overcame sin and he dwells in me. If I dwell on that and believe it, it will manifest in my life and I will be bearing fruit of the Holy Spirit. What you believe will have direct consequence to what you do. How is your walk? Now, how about sharing the gospel with other people? Um, yeah, I'm not going to give you a disclaimer. Y'all get to know me. 
I'm sick and tired of Christians asking the question, how could someone do that? How could a heroin addict rob their grandma? I would ask only once. How could that person do that? How couldn't they? How couldn't they? Look, some more spiritual talk. How do we walk in spirit? How's your walk, Christian? If you have the Spirit of Christ in you, you've been illuminated. Mm -hmm. You see things you didn't see before. Where before you used to stumble over the same thing over and over and over and over and over. And suddenly, whoa, I didn't even realize I was tripping over this. Right? What does light do? It exposes what's around you. We've been illuminated. Which means if somebody has not been regenerated by the Spirit of Christ, they're stumbling and they have no clue what they're tripping over. And we're wondering why they can't get out of that room. We're wondering why they can't find their way around life. And have we not just heard from Apostle Paul this morning uh, who says that the, the natural man cannot understand the things of the kingdom of God. He cannot walk in spirit. He cannot. He, incapable. You are not capable of producing the fruit of the Holy Spirit without the Holy Spirit. Is an orange tree capable of producing its precious fruit if it doesn't have roots, if it's not indeed an orange tree? Try putting an orange on your counter someday and seeing how many oranges sprout from it. You can't have the fruit without that which bears the fruit. It doesn't work that way. So my question really is, how can those who are lost not sin even more? I'm impressed that they can curb it at all. I'm surprised more people don't. I'll stop there. When we're ministering to the lost, we've got to remember, like, we have this great gift inside of us, so start believing it so it dictates how you live. Man, in the Spirit, I'm right with God. Woo, that ought to affect the way you walk. In the Spirit, I have the mind of Christ. Whoa, well, I don't feel that smart. You're probably not, but you have the mind of Christ in your spirit. You can draw from that. Do you know what a word of knowledge is? When we're walking in spirit and exercising the gifts of the Holy Spirit, when we're praying for somebody and you receive a word of knowledge, something about them in their life that you had no way of knowing, or a word of wisdom that you, you speak into their life. I'm not talking about this vague TV preacher nonsense that you could get off a fortune cookie. I mean very specific word of God. That's the mind of Christ telling you who knows all things something you didn't know. So when I experience a moment like this, a word of knowledge, especially with somebody who's not redeemed, they're not walking in the light, and I can pray with them, and I might know their first name at this point, and I receive a word about something I had no way of knowing otherwise, their first question is, how did you know? And my answer always is, I didn't. So you might not feel that bright, and you probably aren't, and that's good. But in your spirit, the Bible says you have the mind of Christ. Whoa. If you believe that, you'll start walking it. How's your walk? 
when we minister to the lost, we would do well to remember they are incapable of doing that which you question them for not being capable of doing. Love them where they're at. Do not join them in their dark life, but offer them a way into the light if they want it. How do we walk in spirit in the way we get along with other people? Apostle Paul tells us we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. Your fight is not with people, places, and things. Although, we're constantly fighting with people, places, and things. Say we have two Christians, uh, each pledging total, wholehearted, blind obedience to an opposite political party, and neither pledging the same allegiance to Jesus Christ, getting into a huge argument. What's happening? Apostle Paul teaches us, like, when we're at odds with people, it's not the people. It's not the natural world we're contending with. It's spiritual things. We would do well to remember when we're talking to other people, like those who are lost, that they can't find their way out. We should be patient and loving. And if there is animosity, it's not personal. It's towards Christ. There will be people who hate and revile and reject you. And if there never have been, I question your walk. Because Jesus Christ promised that. They hated him. And what, they're going to love you? For carrying the torch? Come on. But if you're persecuted, make sure it's not because you're a jerk. Make sure it's because you're sharing the truth in love. And trust me, if you're sharing it, you will be rejected and reviled and hated and spit on, sometimes by your own family. But as long as I'm not rejected by Jesus Christ, I'm good. Because I have his spirit in me, I'm good. I can overcome any obstacle in life by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. Like, I can overcome because he overcame. And if I'm ever struggling in life, it's because instead of dwelling on that which is true spiritually, I'm focused on natural circumstances. Isn't the Bible constantly teaching us this lesson? Here's my question. How's your walk? Do you wonder if you have the Spirit of Jesus Christ? Apostle Paul has no trouble asking this question. I won't either. You notice how he's constantly saying, if indeed his Spirit is in you. And I'm wondering... Do you know for sure? Do you know for certain that you're born again? Has anything changed in your life except other than what you believe and know up here? Because knowledge is like wood, hay, and stubble. On the day of judgment, when that consuming fire comes over you, all that will be burned away. All that will be left is that which is produced from the Holy Spirit in your life. So here's my question. Look. How's your walk? And do you even have a walk? Are you walking with Jesus Christ? It's the only means by which you can enter his presence and be one with him. And my challenge to those who are Christians is this. Like, is it okay that we suffer and go through hard times? Yeah, absolutely. If you don't, that's the suspicious part. But what are you going to do with it? Are you going to let circumstances, people, places, and things, are you going to let your knowledge of the Bible puff you up and get you to a place where you no longer hear the voice of God because you've got it in your intellect? 
Or are we going to submit to him in his precious leading way? We have a world, here we'll close. We have a world, when they walk, they stumble. And I was that man. And they don't even know what they're stumbling over. And they're dying, and they're thirsty, and they're starving to death. And they're dying of thirst. And we have Jesus Christ who refers to himself as living water. Again, his words are spirit. If you have ears to hear, then hear. We have a world that is stumbling. They're dying of thirst. They're dying of hunger. And is the church out there showing them where they can be satisfied? Because let me tell you, I walked my whole life like chasing every impulse there was. I was addicted to more to whatever felt good, sensuality, like I didn't know I was chasing for relief that I couldn't find because I'm drinking from polluted rivers, stagnant swamps, murky waters. I would not only drink, it was like drinking from the ocean because I'd be even more thirsty and sick, but I kept returning. And then one day I find this living water, Jesus Christ is living water. And look, if you're a Christian going through a hard time, like rejoice. You have living water. What are the implications? Jesus Christ is life to your members. He is relief when you need it. He is the deliverer. And if you think you've gone so far as to not have the Lord deliver you, it's because you are, again, focused on the natural. Our story is one of redemption. He will never leave or forsake you. He is satisfying. Walking in the Spirit, how is your walk, Christian? When's the last time we stopped to draw from that magnificent well? And how many of us are still running on that last bucket we drew, trying to get through life on fumes? When's the last time we hit our knees in prayer and repentance? God, I will not budge from this place until I've worked this evil thing out of my heart. When's the last time we loved somebody we couldn't even stand and went out of our way to continue to bless them? When is the last time we looked around in our hearts and said, Lord, oh, search me? Where is there somebody I can forgive? When is the last time we've drank from the well, from the living water from which you'll never thirst again? Jesus Christ is satisfaction. He is the master, and we should follow in his way. But the only way we can follow in his way, because he teaches that which is spiritual, is to have ears to hear what he's saying, eyes to see what he's doing, and feet to pick up where he left off. Amen? So, how is your walk? I hope at least a little encouraging after this message, hopefully troubling your heart if you're not quite sure that you have him. I'd rather have you be troubled and find out than be comfortable and wake up in Hades. And I'm hoping like, to not sound like a hypocrite for those of you who might think that I'm exempt from the sufferings of life. I've come out of a two-week rough patch myself of some pretty deep suffering in my own life. Why can I stand here and smile? Not because I'm a hypocrite. Not because I'm a phony. I wear my heart in my sleeve. You'll get to know that about me. I overshare. But I love Jesus. It is so simple, church. What if we stop complicating 
things and we say we want meat and we always want to learn greater things. But are we neglecting the simple truth that is way more profound than whatever commentary you're about to read? You are right with God. And that is so awesome. Why can I smile? Because I love Jesus and I remembered. I remembered what the Bible had to say about me. I remembered what's true in the Spirit. That my suffering in the natural world is nothing. That I'm right with God. That should I die or live, God is good. If the suffering's taken away or I ride it out a little longer, God is good. God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. End of story. Let's close in prayer. Father of light, thank you so much for not abandoning your creation who abandoned you and for sending light into this world. And Jesus Christ, thank you for being that light and shining and drawing us who are yours to yourself. Jesus Christ, we glorify you. You are the master. You are Lord of this place. There is no congregation or denomination in your name. We are all here proclaiming to be your children. Jesus Christ, we exalt you so that lifting you up, you will draw people to yourself. You are king among us. Lord, we repent for all the ways in which we've neglected this sweet promise we have and this wonderful truth of who we are in you and how it would affect the way we walk. And Holy Spirit, in all the ways, for our own comfort, we've put you in a box and neglected your ministry among us. We repent for that. Have your way with us, especially in those areas that make us uncomfortable. But have your way among us. Be the refining fire that burns away our impurities. In Jesus' name, amen.